Welcome to the Float Your Boat podcast about how everyday people created their road to success. The highs, the lows, pitfalls and potholes and how they overcame it all. And now, here are your hosts. So George, today we've got the lovely Hannah Fraser. Hannah Fraser. Now, sort of in the studio, but not in the studio. Yeah, now, now Hannah's a, a contact of mine. Uh, amazingly, uh, I was speaking to her cousin. Her cousin's a very close friend of mine, and she was telling me about this girl, Hannah, who lives in LA and is a professional mermaid. I almost fell off my chair. I didn't know what that meant. And when George contacted me about doing the interview with Hannah, huh. I said, George, have you been smoking that stuff again? Exactly. Well, I felt like that. I mean... Can you believe that there's someone making a living being a mermaid? I think and it's a great living. It'd be so, a great living. So when I looked into her profile, um, she's been everywhere, man. She's like the travel, uh, like a travelling Wilbury. She's she's been all over the world, invited to some big do's. She swims with whales and dolphins, and and has a, a amazing costumes that and. Um, and if you if you get online and, and go to YouTube and, and look her up, you'll see some amazing um, cinematography of her swimming in the oceans. It's just it's very calming. It's incredible, incredible stuff. And Hannah's done a TED Talk and amongst many other things. But I think right. the thing that I found most in, uh, you know, fascinating was her desire to help save our oceans. Yes, and you know that's a, that's a that's a personal bent of ours as well. Um, yeah. The listeners don't know that actually, but you do. Mm. Um, <laughs> we um, we swim in the ocean a lot, and I think anyone who lives on on the coast anywhere in the world would realise that uh, things are changing uh, dramatically, mm. and it's ma- ma- mainly due to um, uh, pollution from plastics. And uh, the only and- problem we have when you go swimming is they. Greenpeace keep on coming down trying to push you back out into the ocean. <laughs> yes, well, hey, I'm on my new diet at the moment, so I'm hey, slimming down. Hey, listen, George, maybe we should say hello to Hannah because I know she's sitting on the oh, yeah, yeah. end of yeah. the line. Yeah. Hi, <laughs> hi, oh, Hannah. Hi, <laughs> Hannah. I thought you guys were just going to talk amongst yourselves for the next hour. We, we, <laughs> we, normally we sort of do. Well, we, well, yes, we do, but this, on this occasion we're letting you in. Awesome. Well, thank you for the illustrious introduction. Uh, that, I... that, that's great. You sound so American, given that you are Australian. Tell us a little bit about um, why you sound American. Well, um, although I did spend most of my life in Australia, I can't actually fully claim it because I'm a bit of a international babe. I was born in England to an English rock star daddy where yeah. my traveling hippie Australian mum met him there, had me, and then I moved to Los Angeles for the first seven years of my life. So oh. then moved to Australia. So it's a bit of a schizophrenic mess. I apologize if uh, I come off as too Yankee for you. So, so your mum was a hippie. Well, that, that goes that, that goes without saying that you come from a hippie family. I mean, Sky is also um, a friend of mine, and that's how I got introduced to you. She is your first cousin, right? Yeah, she's my first cousin. I have these wonderful memories of Skye when I was a little tacker and she was, you know, the cool teenager oh, with that cool. ethically gorgeous blonde hair and oh, she'd tell mm. me wonderful fantasy stories, which I would believe every second of it. 
And at some point in your life, you decided to become a mermaid. Sky told me that you uh, did that quite uh, quite early in life. Like, how old were you when you decided, hey, I want to be a mermaid? Well, you know, I was that kid who was always at the bottom of the pool, you know, saying, throw pennies in, I'll get them. And how long can I hold my breath? And pretending I was a mermaid. And I was an avid drawer artist and I would draw my stick figures had tails and then um, when I was nine years old I saw that film Splash with Daryl Hannah and Tom Hanks wonderful mermaid film and Mm. I lost my brain I (laughs) immediately said to my mom I need a tail and she being the artistic wonderful hippie lady that she is she said I'll help you make one it was made out of plastic orange tablecloth material and pillow stuffing in the end totally non-functional and then I proceeded to jump in the pool with it and you know nearly drowned but it was it was a great sink or swim moment and uh, I guess it gave me a really good understanding of how to get out of hairy scary situations in the water. Hey Hannah can we step back one step you mentioned a a moment ago your father was a rock star yeah (laughs) so what was who was was your father? uh, He was in the band Free Wow. In, from Holy. England, yeah. The All Right Now. now. Yeah, Baby, yeah, it's yeah. The All Right. Bass player and songwriter. <laughs> so, you know, so just I want to fill you in on my com- compatriot here. Uh, Brady Boy has a long, dark history in the rock and roll industry. Uh, he was in a leading band in Australia. So he probably know your dad really? personally. Well, I, I probably wouldn't. But when I was growing up, um, all right now, uh, the things I was, a, I started off as a drummer. I played trumpet. Oh. but but I used to play drums to All Right Now and Free. I no loved way. Free. I did, oh, honestly, yeah. Oh, really? And, yeah, I did. I mean, Status Quo, Free. Wow. They, they were the bands of the 70s. Well, he's old, enough, he's old enough to be your dad. So you, I, I, I'm sure you, I'm sure you <laughs> must you know, his, uh, know, I, know her dad. I resemble that comment. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you know, he can't, he, he can't, he can't shake those hips anymore. <laughs> that throws his back out. <laughs> <laughs> Look who's talking. Yeah. Uh, Kept so that ha- So, Hannah, I, I, I must – I have to admit, as I said in the preamble to, to, to George, I when he rang me about, like, let's interview this mermaid, I, I was a little bit sceptical, I must say. Um, and I, and I probably <laughs> you're made imagining a f- some kind of tacky uh, no, he thought, on the side I, of the I was. I was sort of thinking Las Vegas show or something like <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, All sparkle substance. But I must admit, after – Seeing the TED talk and looking at your videos, I, I've got to say, it completely turned me around. And oh, your desire you. to help save the oceans of yeah, well, of the I've planet. got to tell you, what I, I enjoy the aspect of being a mermaid and the you know the gorgeous underwater environment. But really, why I do this is to make a difference, to make a change, and to awaken people to how beautiful we have it on this planet Earth. And you know, I, I need to be a bridge between people and animals because for me, animals are intelligent, sentient, beautiful beings and worthy of our respect and our care. And and uh, if I can help awaken people to that joy of being in the ocean, then I feel like I'm doing a good job. I mean, look, Hannah, that, that sounds fantastic. I mean, that's where you currently are at. But but where, what, what started you on this journey? Uh, I mean, okay, you were... You were that little girl that that um, tried, um, you know, being a mermaid in a swimming pool when you uh, many years ago. But but what what 
well, I guess you can explain your journey since then. Like, uh, what yeah. happened? So I actually made a, a living for a while out of making mermaid and fairy art. And it was like a way to express what was on the inside through drawings. And yeah. then I got into modeling and performance art and um, costume design. And I got asked to go to a casting for an underwater shoot, which I'd never done anything like that before. But I was like, oh, I'm pretty comfortable in the water. I like it. I used to pretend I was a mermaid. I'll go try it out. And I um, nailed the job against hundreds of other girls who were way more model type than I was simply because I had all this great training as an underwater person. And um, that awakened the desire to be a mermaid again and then I created a tale a lot of trial and effort it's a labor of love mm. um, and as soon as I'd created the tale I started working with a guy who was doing uh, water conservation and uh, river estuary documentaries and you know just uh, so eco work and one of the first things I did was put myself out on a bridge that was being demolished which was creating a lot of destruction to the riverways and do a big prote protest against the eco-environmental destruction wearing a mermaid tail and when the police came to kind of get rid of us I was sitting there in a tail and of course they couldn't kind of drag me off in a mermaid tail and I said well I can't walk so, <laughs> so it was this wonderful kind of like activist moment where you know I realized that the mermaid suit was beyond just a pretty thing it was a, it was a tool so it was they, a very effective tool. Did they push you back off the bridge into the water? <laughs> yeah. It just rolled me over, you know. Yeah, you had to, it was so either sink or swim. I was the cover of the local newspaper, and that was my first, like, foray into mermaid activism. So, Hannah, you learned how to hold your breath underwater. I've, I'm always fascinated by people. I spend a lot of time in the ocean, and try as I might, I've never been able to do that. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I, we had a, a backyard pool. We And, you know, I grew up in, you know, the south of Sydney, so I was in the water all the time. And I used to try to hold my breath for a long period of time. And now when I see those deep sea um, divers that free hold divers. their breath, yeah, free divers, it, it amazes me. It blows my mind. So how did you go about learning to hold your breath? It was amazing, actually. Like I mentioned, my mother was a hippie, and she used to take us to meditation ashrams in India and around the world. Wow. And through that training, I was doing meditation work, yoga, breath work, chanting, and uh, relaxation techniques, all of which, unbeknownst to me, were the perfect training ground for creating extra long breath hold and being able to deal with really challenging, scary situations underwater. So I didn't know it, but I've been in training my whole life. So when I started doing the mermaid thing, I was already 10 steps ahead. And then it was a matter of doing the extra specific freediving breathwork training and just getting comfortable. So Hannah, what's your typical day of training? Uh, what's involved? Um, get up and jump straight in the pool, number one. <laughs> and then um, I go down underneath and I do as many breath holds as I can. I'll blow off practicing blowing some bubble rings under there, swim around as a mermaid, loosen up the spine, then a bit of yoga, and um, try before I go to sleep to do some extended breath holds just as I'm relaxing into sleep. Wow. And keep dancing, keep enjoying life. I go to a lot of festivals. I do dance performance as well, so got to right. keep the body limber and create more oxygen uh it you know if you can expand your body and your lungs and capacity with uh, aerobic exercise you can hold your breath a lot longer 
Wow, that's... Well, uh, okay, speaking of holding your breath a lot longer, how long can you hold your breath? Well, I am definitely not like some freediving expert, but I'm around about two minutes, three minutes static breath hold. Um, but wow. those two minutes, I can be swimming and performing with sharks in extremely challenging scenarios like at midnight, you know, 35 foot down, bolted to the bottom of the floor, wow. 50 pounds of weight at midnight in freezing cold water, being tossed around by a current. Wow. So it's more what I do with those two minutes than having an exceptionally long breath hold because there are many people that have a better one than I do. Can you tell us about the time that you swam with the manta rays? Oh, yeah. That was amazing. So um, I've been working with this amazing guy, Sean Heinrichs. He's a incredibly talented cinematographer, underwater photographer, and amazing dedicated eco-environmentalist and so we decided we wanted to try and help manta rays and get them put onto the protected list because they're getting fished for their gills which are put into like you know gill soup in china and stuff like that and they became endangered so um, we went to hawaii to swim with these incredibly huge manta rays and these guys are meters wide and uh, at midnight cold dark water 35 foot down, I was bolted to the ground with 50 pounds. I was wearing this huge wedding dress, huge flowy train on it, and the current was pushing me back really strong onto rocks on either side of me. I'm holding my breath. There's a scuba diver, you know, a couple meters away who would come in and give me air on occasion. And at one point, the current lifted the wedding dress right up over my head must have looked pretty funny to them but it was a life-threatening situation because I couldn't get to the air so I'm clawing at this fabric that's enveloping me and the guys are trying to get it down and get the air to me and that was one of the scariest moments of of my entire career I'd say because I was definitely at the end of my breath hold I knew I couldn't go up it was dark. It was scary. Um, and, yeah, people were like, oh, weren't you scared of the sharks? I'm like, well, there's been scarier moments. Wow. I take it, Hannah, that that would make you a bit of an insurance risk, wouldn't it? I mean, <laughs> how, uh, yeah. how um, easy is it for you to insurance. fill in an Anyone insurance policy? <laughs> want to insure a mermaid that swims the sharks at well, midnight? Well, I mean, let's, let's look at the practicalities of your life. I mean, when you, when you have to fill in uh, forms... And that little box that says occupation, do you put down yeah. a mermaid? Yeah, well, it's real interesting when you come into customs and countries. I've got to tell you. I bet. I bet you get starter, pulled but aside. I've been pulled off to the back, back room a couple of times. They're do just they like, say what's in what? that tail? <laughs> what's, what's, what's in that tail, madam? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, there's no animal matter, but it is a mermaid tail. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, get me back in the water. I've got to get through customs. So, exactly. So, I've got a time limit on this. I'm going to get fishy. So you do get stopped often. Yeah, and I've got this huge red heart bag that I carry the tail around in, so it, it definitely gains a lot of attention. Bet it does. So um, you sent you sent through some uh, funny stories, and uh, the one about the Sea Shepherd sounds like uh, a good oh, story God. to tell. Can you tell, <laughs> yeah, tell so our listeners about that? Uh, there sea was a big gala event for Sea Shepherd in Santa Monica where they had all the fancy people come to celebrate an anniversary of Sea Shepherd and I had been asked to be the mermaid at the end of the red carpet so when the important guests arrived we could do photographs and um, you know be the theme of the evening and 
my father had come for the first time to check out me doing the mermaid thing. And um, I hadn't lived with my dad for most of my life. So we were still getting to know each other. This is in my 20s. And so we weren't like super homies yet. I'm putting on this <laughs> tail in a tiny little change room in the back of the car park with, you know, a little tent. And the zipper breaks on the back of my tail. And I can't get it done up. And the, uh, they're like, hurry up, hurry up. And not only that, I had forgotten to wear bathing suit bottoms. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm so, so what am I going to do? And I would have been I, glad I to help at that my, moment. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been. my dad. I'm like, dad, dad, I, I need you. And he comes in and I'm like, but hanging out. I, luckily, I had a bunch of safety pins. I'm like, I'm really wow. sorry to ask you this, but we're going to get a whole lot familiar all of a sudden. So can you pin up the back of my thing? And he so he does the... this job. He's like pricking my butt all the way. And then they had to carry me out very carefully, place me on this rock and, you know, make sure that nothing was hanging out for the photographs. And there was Anthony Kiedis and Paul Watson, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and everyone coming to take photos. Were they in the All line as well? The whole time was, <laughs> Please, God, don't let my ass be hanging out. Yeah, I, well, it's, it, I, I have to say it's nothing they haven't seen before, I suppose. I mean, they would have seen it all. They, they probably didn't even bat an eyelid, right? I would have said Too that true. your father probably was used to pinning up... <laughs> You know. Oh, no. I shouldn't say uh, that. You shouldn't say that. No, no. But, but, you know, I mean, he was in free. I mean, surely. You know? I'm sure they had groupies throwing undies at the stage all the time. I would th- would have thought so. Look, I, I, I keep bringing it back to the day-to-day practicalities, uh, Hannah. Like, okay, so you put your tail on in the car park. How'd, they, what, what, how'd you get into the venue? Did they wheel you in? Oh, I always have very strong, handsome mer handlers. Mer handlers. Uh, yeah, I'm wow. signing. Okay, oh, I'm signing up. And I are on our way over. <laughs> signing up. <laughs> yeah, it's perks of the job. How yeah. does that work? How does that work, Hannah? Oh, lift and carry. Generally, not in like. Uh, I'm glad he didn't try a fireman lift for that one mm. particular. But yeah, they kind of just big, strong, burly men. I, you know, I used to work at Atlantis in the Bahamas, uh, their beautiful uh, resort there, and they actually designated this incredibly huge Bahamian. Atlantean god to come and take me around the whole resort, lift and carry. He was wearing this Triton outfit. It was fantastic. What? And he just carried you around in his arms? That was his job. That is, that is gold. Yeah. <laughs> what a job. I'll tell you. I, wow. I, 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 can I be a mermaid too? <laughs> she, they'd need a, they'd need a forklift. They'd be a big woman. She'd be the woman. <laughs> They'd need a forklift to carry George around as well, don't they? Oh, look, lay off, will you? <laughs> so, Hannah, so Hannah, do you have a partner? Are you a single mermaid? or are you a... <laughs> Why are you offering? <laughs> oh, I, just, I thought, you know, there's all these guys, like, zipping you up and oh, stuff bet. like that. I, I, bet. I thought, is, yeah, there a, I, is there a particular... I do, have, I do have a boyfriend. A lot of people ask, do you have a merman? I actually tend to go for yeah. pirates more. And my pirate, uh, my pirate uh, is uh, Adrian Onega, and he's a cinematographer. Brilliant guy. Uh, you can check out his stuff, onega.com. But uh, he's just getting right into underwater stuff because since we started dating, so mm. I'm kind of like literally sirening him into the depths. Perfect. Well, That's I, great. I, again, again, I mean, how do you set the scene um, for a um, underwater shoot? I mean, it's not as easy as um, above above ground, above ground is no, it? No, there's a... so many difficulties. So you've got wet, you know, if you go out into the ocean to yep. shoot, you have to deal with weather, 
current mm. uh, animals, um, lighting. There's, it's just a breath hold, mm. uh, buoyancy. So it's it's endless. And like the challenges that you have to overcome are are numerous. That's for sure. And I'm you assuming can't, you can only just set a scene as much as possible, and then it's up to God, the weather, and the animals. But you don't have a whole crew down there. It's just one guy, right? One guy Sometimes, holding a camera. Um, so I've done shoots where it's literally just my one guy who's holding the camera, and I'll be like a little limpet hanging onto his back, breathing off of his air. Right. And then we'll go down to the bottom of the ocean, and we'll kind of do like a one, two, three. I take off my mask, I take out the air, and I just go swimming. And I have to locate keep my eye on him and know how far away he is and how much breath i've got in order to get back to him because he can't really get to me as fast and get back in time to get air and so those are probably the most dangerous ones and then there's been other shoots like when i swam with tiger sharks in the bahamas i had a 10 person crew you know some were shark wranglers and some were air air guys and then about five photographers and it was isn't right. ideal. How do you wrangle tiger, a shark? Well, tiger sharks are pretty tricky sharks. I mean, they're not they're not your gummy sharks that are, that you know <laughs> you might see down That's at the true. rocks at Bondi. So, we do you ever get fearful of that sort of thing? I was pretty terrified before I went down there because yes, the the potential for injury or death is there. Mm. Um, and I hadn't swum with tiger sharks before, and they are one of listed as one of the three most dangerous sharks in the world. And they're big; they're 17 foot, and wow. you know they can shred an artery with an artery with a little exploratory nip, you know. Mm. Mm. But I was blown away by how they are. I don't know. They came across like big hound dogs. They were they're sniffing along the bottom of the ocean. They'd come up, and at least in this particular place, and I, I will say that around the world, there are different personalities to the same species. So the tiger sharks you find in Australia tend to be a little more aggressive than these particular ones you find in the Bahamas. So we chose it based on knowledge and the fact that these particular sharks are very used to interaction with divers. But, you know, it's a, it's a challenge. It's dangerous. Um, but they were so cool. They kept coming back and they liked being tickled on the nose. They didn't mind if I like t tickled their underbelly as they went past. It was mind-blowing to me because I've swum with all the animals in the ocean, and these are the only guys that come back for physical touch and contact out well, of all of them. You're giving me a lot of comedy material here. I mean, today, they're from Hannah. the, they're from the, bah <laughs> the, hum the Bahamas, man. And I want to be tickled <laughs> on the belly and nose as well. I'm Very relaxed. Like a mermaid, I mean... <laughs> Well, but we did take as many safety precautions as possible. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen the video, but I was painted entirely blue with black stripes. And we did that not just because it looked really cool, but because um, they're used to seeing people in dark colors. Uh, also, if you're white and light, you, they could mistake, especially your little moving fingers for little fishes and be more curious to have a little bite. Um, and also the black and blue apparently to their eyes becomes a little bit more invisible. Mm. Um, I was not wearing a tail in that shoot because way too sparkly and attractive and I needed to be weighted to the bottom of the ocean with my feet plant, planted firmly because they tend to, uh, hunt from underneath. And so if you're above them, it's much more dangerous than if you're standing on the bottom of the ocean. Right. Well, Hannah, on a more more serious note, um, with most of these jobs, uh, are they are they for a cause, or they're generally generally you're up for hire 
for anything that re involves a mermaid. Circling back to the manta, right? I didn't finish that story. So that was all to create this amazing video called Manta's Last Dance by Sean Heinrichs and myself, which was then put online, uh, went viral around the world and wow. was calling for people to put pressure on the Convention for International Trade on Endangered Species to change the law to protect them. And it was actually shown at the delegation and 80% of the delegates around the world stood up in favor of manta rays and put them on the protected list. And, you know, was due in part to a lot more people becoming aware of the issue because most people don't know what manta rays even are. They just think they're scary stingrays that might hurt you. Well, bravo so, to you. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's, a, that's a great story. I mean, you, you are a bit of an oddity, uh, so you'd stand out uh, being a, by the simple fact that you, you are, you're a mermaid. But in combination with underwater cinematography, do you find that a very powerful tool to communicate Absolutely. your message? It's, uh, it, it's just such a great tool for awakening people. You know, we're inundated with so much media these days about the world falling apart and the desolation and the devastation and the plastics, and it's depressing. Mm. So what I and Sean have really been trying to do is create beauty and inspiration around these causes that people want to watch. They want to share it. They want to get involved and, and inspire them to make change rather than guilt them into change. So that's idea. kind of been our theme and it seems to be working real well. Are so, you, go, George. I was going to say, are you attacking any other issues apart from, you know, saving the manta rays? Um, yeah, so specifically talking to you guys in Australia, I don't know if you're aware that there's a big shark culling issue that's happening over there. Western Australia, um, yeah. Is a lot West? of the shark sharks that are killed over there, you know, there's been a couple of attacks, but most of the sharks that are killed are not the type, not the sharks that are even attacking anyone. And the culling doesn't really protect anyone. It just annihilates already slender uh, numbers of sharks. Yeah. So we need to educate humans on how to interact with sharks, what things not to do in what areas rather than just annihilating a species. You know, we kill 75, uh, hundred, nearly up a hundred million sharks per year. That's like 10,000 every hour. So it, it's, it's like wholesale devastation of an entire species at the moment. So the fact that our so-called enlightened Australian government is initiating more shark culling in Australia is, is a travesty. So I'm going to continue to fight that one in particular because it's my home country. Yeah. You know, the funniest part about it all is, you know, if you talk to a surfer or a swimmer, they don't want to cull sharks. People that spend exactly. the most time in the ocean don't, don't agree with it. It's just politicians trying to... Um, off their chest up for me. I don't see yeah, any... Yeah, it's mostly landlocked people that are just scared because of all of the media that's been shoved down our throats, like mm. Shark Weeks, Sharks are Scary, and Jaws, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, these films that come out that portray them as man-eating monsters when, in fact, they're, you know, they're pretty cool. They're pretty chill, you know. The, the instance of humans getting eaten by sharks is well, less than donkeys well, killing humans so per low. year or... The man-eating so monsters are the politicians, really. Look at yeah, look at your, your look at the great American president, Mr. Trump. Oh, oh, let's oh not God. go there. Let's not let's, <laughs> let's not talk about Shoot politics. Yeah, yeah. Let, yeah I, Heaven help us. That's all I can say. So, what's next for you, Hannah? What's the next project? 
I'm heading to Mexico to shoot in the cenotes, which is wow. I haven't oh, done wow. that before. I'm very excited. I got to swim in those last year when I was in Mexico. Did you? It was unbelievable. One of the best oh. experiences. My kids, they just they still will rave about it. We went to Cuba and Mexico, and the cenotes were fantastic. fantastic. And now, a word from our sponsors. This is about the 400th take, listeners. <laughs> this is our, uh, this is our um, for a male sponsor, Mungrel Joe's. Yes, Mungrel Joe's. So, hey, Brett, what keeps you going? I'm not sure what you're implying. I don't like where your mind's going with this one, Brett, but uh, without getting personal, there are many times I need a hit, and not from a bus. What keeps me going is a steaming hot cup of coffee, and not just any coffee. Ah, you must be talking about Mungrel Joe's. Yeah, our proud sponsor. Yes, that deep, rich, tasty and fulfilling coffee that perks you up, puts lead in your pencil, makes you glisten and puts hairs on your chest. But what does it do for men? Boom, boom. <laughs> it brings out the mongrel in you. <laughs> God, seriously, folks. Seriously, folks. Mungrel Joe's. That's my line. No, That's your line. <laughs> Mungrel Joe's is the best taste experience ever it's 100 percent australian and not only is it a performance coffee it's strong and smooth like me of course george <laughs> it's the greatest coffee on earth the world's greatest coffee is it really <laughs> <laughs> yes it is jump online at mongreljoes.com.au and give it a shot excuse the pun no 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 you didn't have to say that well it's you printed it on the page you're george. on you're on fire brent I am on. We fire. could have scratched that out. And just for our listeners to put put it put in a discount code, float your boat, and you will get a special discount on your first order. Remember that it's float your boat. One word. If you love coffee, you should try Mungrel Joe's. I'm telling you, folks. Aside from this great script that George wrote, <laughs> and it was so obvious you were reading it. <laughs> yes, George, it was. <laughs> Anyway, listeners, Mongrel Joe's, it's, it's the best. We're going to go and shoot with whales in Tonga again with Sean Heinrichs later in the year. And super excited about that because honestly whales were the initial awakening inspiration for me to really get involved in the big animal protest and, and conservation and you when swam. I swam with whales for the first time just blew my mind mm, I bet how, 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 again I'm sorry to be the practical one but how, how do you get <laughs> how do you get close to whales close enough to swim with them and they let you do I mean do they feel intimidated by you or are threatened I mean, how do you do it? Yeah, so there is a procedure, and Tonga is one of the only places in the entire world where it's legal to swim with whales, and even then it's heavily regulated, so you have to go out with a registered boat, and then they have rules of how often they're able to interact with the whales, and if one boat interacts with the whale, then that whale needs to be left alone for a couple hours after that. So they have a very stringent interaction protocol well, um, but that. if you are lucky enough to be out there in a boat and a whale is going past so basically you stop the boat and if the whale's interested then it will stop and it will come and check you guys out you can jump in the water and if if it feels like it and you're so blessed then it will come and check you out so for me I was mind boggled being in that 
endless ocean, not just in all ways northeast, southwest, but down, like endless blue. And then this whale came up underneath me and headed directly towards me. And I just thought, oh, my God, I'm an ant. I'm going to get stuck in its blowhole or, like, hit by its flipper. It's going to swallow me whole. And how can I even register on its its radar? It's just so massive. And I got kind of scared. But then as it came up, it looked me in the eye. It was exceedingly aware of its movements in, in relation to me. And, and it was extremely sentient. You could see it. And it wow. was conscious of me. And... The fact that it chose to come and hang out with me out of an entire ocean, and it was curious enough, even mm. though our species have annihilated them for centuries, we, they still have this curiosity and, and trust in human beings. And not only that, it brought its baby to come and show me. And the baby came wow. and did, like, did a little high five near me and was kind of rolling over. And then they started singing to each other. And being in this incredible sound bath was like having my DNA rearranged. That's the only way I can describe it because it was so loud. It, this, it was like standing in front of a speaker stack at a festival. You feel the rumbling within your ribs. I was going to say, do you, did you feel the vibration? hundred percent. It was mm. like a huge, um, yeah, just vibration. And when I got out of the water, I just started crying. It was like, I, I didn't know what had been communicated to me, but I felt that it had changed me. And I felt like I would be willing to put my life on the line for these creatures. And so after that was when I started going to all the international whaling conventions around the world and protesting against whale kills and doing all the actions. You know, uh, I've noticed I, I don't know whether it's my imagination, but I walk along uh, the cliffs of Four Clues because that's where we live. And I swear that there's, there seems to be more whales out there this year. Than oh, that's has. good news. Yeah, I, 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 seriously, every day I see whale, you know, whales heading north to uh, do Fantastic. their thing. And, and that makes me happy. Yeah, it, make, it, it certainly makes me happy as well. You know, it, it's heartening to see that because... Funnily enough, I read a, a novel a few months ago about the whale killings back going back um, in our history, Australian history, and they slaughtered every season. Mm. Well, I was whales. living up in Byron Bay for 17 years, and I started off staying right next to the epicenter, which used to be a whaling mm. Mm. Uh, uh, operation place. And yeah, so, it, you know, steeped in blood, but it was amazing to see the populations are returning and finally getting a chance. Um, so, yeah, it, it's heartening that people really are starting to care and see the relevance of them. I was I wondering. This, I was yeah, wondering. I saw oh. this really cool YouTube video recently about how whales take specific um, ocean bacterias up and by, by like their poop and mm. what they swallow and the fish that they eat and how they dive deep and come back up. They create the ecosystem of the planet and the oceans like aerated and getting all of the right nutrients up and down within the ocean levels. So it's something that I didn't know before, but it's like, wow, they're super functional animals. Yes. I mean, they are coming back in numbers, apparently, but uh, they're still, uh, it's not without challenges. I mean, um, I, wonder, I wonder how they, how they manage to feed themselves adequately when we're overfishing uh, globally. Oh, and, my God. And, and, you know, and, we've eaten over 90% of the large fish in the oceans in the last 50 years. 
Yeah, it's a pretty grim statistic, isn't it? So, um, yeah. Well, I, I take it you you have a, another campaign around that as well, because <laughs> you seem to be <laughs> you seem to have quite a number. Tell us about all the yeah. campaigns you've you've um, you've worked with. Uh, we created a whale, Save the Whales campaign. It was called Betrayal, and we shot that in Tonga a couple of years ago. And it basically showed um, a woman who was kind of in a very sad and disconnected state who then dove into the ocean and had this close encounter with a whale, which um, enlivened her and awoke her spirit and soul to a joy again. But then right at the end, when you're like, yes, she's like, you know, become alive again. Then we had footage showing uh, a whaling boat coming and throwing a harpoon into these whales, a mother and a baby. And it's heartbreaking, but it is also the reality. And it's a really good juxtaposition to kind of show why are we not allowing these creatures to be an inspiration? And instead, we're just killing them. Yeah, George, um, on the way here this morning, George was saying he just can't figure out why people or how people can be so stupid that they can't see what we're doing to our oceans and the planet generally with plastic bottles, etc. Um, you know, one Yeah, all the numbers are there, the science is there. It's not like it's really debatable at this point. It's just people are not making the changes. Yeah, well, that I, are think, necessary. I think we all need to pull together and try and um, get the word out there. And obviously, you're you're doing, you're you're devoting your life to that, which is just simply amazing, really. It it, it is amazing. I mean, it takes people like you to to um, you know people prepared to stand up and put their money where their mouth is um, to actually get things happening and get get the ball rolling. Um, but but I, I'm more curious about what made you so. Was it, would you say your parents made you so or your mother did? Um, where did you get this, you know, um, this bent that you, mm. you show today? Absolutely. Both parents are very active. My dad, he actually passed away a couple of years ago, but before he passed, he was involved in so many um, human rights issues. He was working on... Uh, ending human trafficking. He was working on awareness for climate change. He was obviously a singer-songwriter, so he's mm. writing all his songs that were very politically active. So, and he was helping me to produce a Tears of a Mermaid film that I'm working on. That's all the backstory to why I do what I do and all the really wow. intense adventures that we put ourselves online to get that footage. And my mother has always been deeply, deeply caring environmental woman and also um as i mentioned i grew up going to meditation ashrams and so just that whole um belief system of caring and uh reverence and respect for the earth uh, was deeply instilled by all the people in my life what do you have a mentor do you have somebody that you talk to about these sorts of things that's a good question yeah, I guess um, Sean Heinrichs is probably, you know, a, a wonderful mentor slash partner, inspiration partner, because we both, you know, kind of top of our game at what we do. And the, the merger of that has brought so many incredible results. Um, so we get really lit up when we talk to each other and we're just like, OK, let's do that. We can go there. And it's a free flowing thing. Um, 
when I was a kid, obviously, I totally idolized Daryl Hannah. And not mm. only that, but she's a raging environmentalist as well. And when I first moved over to L.A., I found myself on stage doing a speech at Earth Day L.A., and she was also giving a talk. And I was <laughs> like, oh, my God, it's yeah. <laughs> You know, I don't get fluffed by, by celebrity things, but I, she was just such an icon for me. And so I was talking to her and just telling her this, and she's like, oh, do you have your mermaid tail with you? And I said, yeah, I'll go put it on. And she came, she <laughs> She was so accommodatingly sweet, and she said, "Oh, your tail's so much prettier than mine was." Didn't believe her for a second, but she was, she was very sweet and adorable, and so that was kind of like, "Oh, I met my idol." <laughs> so that well, was I hope cute. you, I hope you had a photo taken. We did. With, it was okay, awesome. great. Yeah. Um, look, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, you're, you're at the, at the prime of your life at the moment, and um, I mean, how long would you expect to keep doing the mermaid thing? Oh, I'm gonna be. Super Grand Mermaid. All oh, right. Super so Grand you're gonna, Mermaid. So you're going to produce some baby mermaids? Um, like, a, do you have any waiting in the wings? Like, any any <laughs> any any apprentices by any chance to to um? In, in, what's a um? What's a group of mermaids called? A pod. A pod. A pod. A pod. A, yeah. Will you be creating Duh. your own pod? No, I absolutely <laughs> have a Hannah Mermaid pod. There's girls you in do. LA that I've been training up for quite some time, and I send them That's out. That's amazing. To, you know, there's there's Hollywood parties that you know, request specifically to have mermaids I'm in their sure pool. So we go and do that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And um, it's close, called mermanagement. The closest I got to a mermaid was an ice sculpture at a um, at a function. <laughs> but but you but you supply the you real thing. Some more parties over there. Oh, no. Well I don't get invited to many parties but um, <laughs> George but George goes to parties and rubs shoulders with the rich and famous. Why is that? Because they won't shake hands with you. <laughs> it's an oldie. It's an oldie. But but tell tell me about your your pod. Your pod. I mean, do you have classes? And where do they train? And what's a typical week for you? There's no typical in my life. <laughs> I bet. That's great. But um, I do specific trainings for one on one. Is usually the best way to kind of get them started. And I have a, a pool, so I get them in a tail and show. Them the movement, breath work, and breath oh, holding, and um, you know, general philosophy about mermaid life. But I actually have a mermaid retreat coming up in December in Hawaii. Oh, mermaid oh, to uh, learn. Can you invite? It's, it's at Lemuria. Is it? Is it both Maui, genders? And it's called Remembering Remember Atlantis. Both Fantastic. genders invited. Only ladies this time. Oh, there you oh, go. Sorry, babe. Don't that's, worry, George. That's very sexist of you. Don't worry, George. We're going to take you back to Tonga and try and find your long-lost brother. <laughs> Throw you off the boat. And... <laughs> but <laughs> but you, you're telling me, are you telling me that women are paying you to become mermaids? That That's that's how it works, right? I mean, you you keep yourself really busy, but, but obviously you bounce out of bed every morning because you truly love, I'm guessing you truly love what you're doing. I'm literally living my dream. That's fantastic. Hannah, tell me about the song. We finish. We always finish the uh, episode with a song and you sent through a song that I'd never heard of before and I thought I knew just about every song that there's ever been. But um, <laughs> Well, yeah, this song was recommended to me after I did a TED Talk in Barcelona in Spain and obviously I'd done the whole mermaid thing and one of the other people that gave a TED Talk said, you know what, I'm a composer and, uh, or uh, not a composer, he, he placed music for film. And he said, I just placed this music in a film and it's called 10,000 Emerald Pools. And it was a 
all about mermaids and underwater and I listened to it and I was like, wow, this is, this is me. And it's really upbeat and fun and love it. Hannah, um, before you go, how do people get in touch with you? Like, let's do the, the, the shameless self-promotion plug <laughs> yeah. um, before we go. Yeah. HannahMermaid.com website, and you can talk to me personally on Facebook, Hannah Mermaid, and you can see all the pictures on Hannah Mermaid on Instagram. So it's pretty easy to remember. Hannah, it's been such a great it's pleasure su- and an honour to talk to you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Likewise. to find someone that truly loves every day of their life, that, that, that you're inspirational. That's what we're all about on Float Your Boat, is yep. getting stories like yours out to the rest of the world to inspire people. Mm. And, awesome. Uh, well, I couldn't think uh, of a better place to be than float your boat as a mermaid. Oh, that's what we thought. <laughs> that's as what well. we thought. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look. So next Whatever time, floats your boat. next time you're in Australia, You'll make sure you come and see us, and we'll re- we'll do another interview and follow up on what's Absolutely, going on. Absolutely. On your latest um, films and and um, and what you're doing uh, for events. That that would be a, that would be awesome. Thank you Yay, so much, right. Hannah. Take care. My Thank pleasure. you, Hannah. You guys are amazing. Thank you, Hannah. Take care.